Good afternoon. Our scripture reading today is going to be from Isaiah 7. You can find it printed in your bulletin on page 10, and it will also be projected above. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin in Syria and the son of Ramalia. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Ramalia has devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramalia. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not yet come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Amanda. Okay, kids, uh, I mentioned your Trinity Kids Bulletin earlier. You can grab that now, and there is a spot on there to jot down three things that I want you to listen specifically for. Here they are. Uh, the first is a security blanket. Uh, the second is an illustration about a fire. And then the third is an illustration about a bad dream. So security blanket, fire, and bad dream. With that, let me, uh, let me pray for us as we come to this passage. Father, we ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Lord, we pray that you would attend to us as we attend to your word. And Lord, you make these uh, wonderful promises, these great promises that when your word is proclaimed among your people, uh, that it will not return void. And so, Father, we look to you expectantly this afternoon to accomplish what you desire in us. And Lord, we pray that above all, we would uh, see and behold your son, that we would be drawn to him, that we would hear of his grace and love for us, and that we would respond with great love for him. And we pray this all in his name. Amen. 
uh, continue with the uh, classic Christmas movie uh, theme, and um, I got a little pushback last week with some of my uh, with my lists. Um, one that that was not on the list, but that could be, uh, is a Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, and uh, for me, my absolute favorite character is Linus, and that has everything to do with his blanket. And if you remember, uh, Linus carries this blanket with him everywhere it goes, where, anywhere, everywhere he goes. Uh, it becomes a prop for him in all kinds of different ways. So here just, here's a little sampling of, of how he uses it in these comics. He uses it as a, a neck scarf, a Lucy's kite, a parachute, two different sports coats, uh, a bullfighter's cape, a hammock, a slingshot, and then in a Charlie Brown Christmas, it's as a shepherd's headdress. Remember that? It puts it on. The main use, though, uh, for this blanket is as a security blanket. And so uh, Charles Schultz, the, uh, the author and illustrator, introduced, this, uh, introduced the blanket into the comic strip on June 1st, 1954. And, uh, and so there's this scene in that original comic strip where Lucy and Charlie Brown are talking about this blanket. And so Charlie Brown says this. He says, why does Linus hold his blanket like that? Lucy says, I'm not sure. I think, he maybe it give, I think it maybe gives him a feeling of security. And then from that point onward, Linus always has his blanket with him. He can't stand it when it's being washed because he, he needs it in order to face life, right? He can't function without it. And so kids, it may be that you had something like that when you were little too. I know our kids did, where there was a, a blanket or a little stuffed animal, a toy of some sort that you always wanted to have with you. And, and the reason for that is that things felt right when you had that blanket, right? Everything felt like it was going to be okay. And, and, and here's, the, uh, here's the deal. There's really a sense in which we don't really grow out of that. What we do is just replace the blanket with, with other things, right? That, that we are always looking for something or someone that's going to make us feel safe and secure, and I think we feel that especially so when things in your life feel uncertain, when things in your life feel out of control, and even when things in your life feel scary because you are so out of control. And that question of where true security can be found is really what this passage is all about. And that question is actually a really good question of Advent itself. As we've mentioned in previous weeks, Advent is all about waiting. And so I, I read this quote last week from Fleming Rutledge. She, sa- she says this, the church lives in Advent. That is to say, the church lives between two Advents. Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ will come. We do not know the day or the hour. If you find this tension almost unbearable at times, then you understand the Christian life. Where can we find true security? Security. And so there's, there's really this sense uh, in which our situation is similar to Israel's in the Old Testament in some certain ways. Um, they had been given these great promises. They had seen some of those promises fulfilled, but they hadn't seen all of them fulfilled. And so they're living in between the times, and that is the place where we find ourselves. And so um, one of the things that, that, uh, that, that we find ourselves doing in that place is having to wait and waiting is really, really hard to do. And it's especially hard to do when things around you don't look good. And, and that's actually the situation that, that Ahaz and, and the people of Judah find themselves in in this passage. And um, one of the challenges as we look at some of these Old Testament promises of the Messiah 
is that we're familiar with maybe the verse that gets quoted in the New Testament, but we don't really know much about the context that surrounds it. And so we're gonna have to do a little bit of a, a deep dive into, into some more unfamiliar parts of the Bible. But I think what you're gonna see is, is that the kinds of things that the people of God in the Old Testament were wrestling with, things like, can I trust God with my circumstances or do I need to look elsewhere? are the same kind of questions that we ask as well. And so what I wanna uh, do this afternoon is look at this passage under three headings. The first is the feeling of insecurity. Secondly, the, the grasp for false security. And then thirdly, the Lord's gift of true security. So first, the, uh, the feeling of insecurity. So uh, in this passage, we're introduced to this character of Ahaz. Uh, he is the, the king of Judah. This is after uh, Israel had been divided into a northern kingdom, which was then called, continued to be called Israel, and then the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. And so, okay, why is Ahaz in this passage so insecure and fearful? So a little bit of context here. Um, we know from 2 Kings 16 that Ahaz was not a good king. Uh, and we actually find out a little bit of why that was the case in this passage. Here's what's happening. So Syria and Israel, that northern kingdom, are, uh, are afraid of Assyria, who was this other military superpower of the day. And so what they think is, if we can pull Judah into this and have these three powers combined, then we might hold a chance against Assyria. And so what Syria and Israel decide to do is to attack Judah. Because what they want to do is attack Judah, take Ahaz down, and then put a puppet king in place. Because if they do that, maybe they can hold, the, hold their own against Assyria. And so uh, verse 1, uh, they do attack Judah, and it says this, they came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it. And so understandably, King Ahaz and the house of David, the people of God, Judah, are totally freaked out by this. So verse two, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. I know that we don't really get much of an autumn here uh, in, in Fort Worth. What we do get is happening outside right now, right? But uh, picture here the wind blowing through those leaves and the way that the, the leaves shake with that strong wind. And, and that is a great picture of what it looks like to be afraid. That's how Ahaz and the people of Judah feel. They're scared to death at the prospect of this war that's come upon him. And so here's what the Lord does for them. He sends Isaiah the prophet to them, and he does that in order to comfort them, to reassure them that, that the Lord is with them. And so verse four, say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint. He's saying, Ahaz, you don't have to be afraid. Why not? goes on to say it's because these two countries Israel and and Syria are uh, attacking are, are like two smoldering stumps of firebrands okay so what does that mean so kids here's what I want you to do um, if if you are so fortunate as to have a fireplace that burns real wood in your house I want you to think about the last time you had a fire hopefully it was like last night okay um, and I want you to think about what happens when the fire begins to burn down and maybe there are a couple of logs there that, that, that are left and they're, they're just smoldering on the end. And they have nowhere near as much danger and power as they initially had when the fire was roaring, right? And you know as well that, that if you just let those two smoldering stumps burn and just leave them, they're gonna burn out, right? So Isaiah is saying, that's what Syria and Israel are. 
They're these smoldering stumps that are going to burn out if Ahaz will just trust the Lord. And so the Lord goes on to say in verse 7 that this attack, Syria and Israel coming against Judah, is going to come to nothing at all. He says in verse 7, it shall not stand, it shall not come to pass. And then in verse 8, he says, within 65 years, Ephraim, which is Israel, won't even be a people anymore. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, Ahaz, you have got nothing to fear if you will just put your trust in me. If you will just put your faith in me, you will be just fine. Here's the thing, though, that he says in verse 9. In, in verse nine he says, if you are not firm in faith, and that you is plural, if y'all are not firm in faith, you all will not be firm at all. You've got to trust the Lord in this place. So that's why Ahaz is scared. He's getting attacked by these other two countries. So here's the question then for us. What does this look like for us? Where, where, where is the place where we might feel some sense of, of insecurity and of fear? And I know for a lot of us right now, we feel this financially. We feel this because inflation is killing us right now. And you think like with Christmas hitting, you feel it even more. And you're taking a look at your budget and you're kind of going like, I don't know how all this is gonna work out. This is not what I expected the end of 2022 to look like. Or it could be though that, that you're feeling this in a sense of fear with your own children. Where you're watching the decisions they make, you're watching the, the friends that they, that they have, and it scares you to think about where this path leads in the end. And you feel helpless to do anything about it. It could be that, that, that the fear that you feel is the fear that you're never gonna be married and you wanna be so badly. Or that, that, that maybe you long to have a child and that doesn't seem like it's gonna be possible. It, it could even be that you are just in an incredibly hard marriage right now. And, and the thought of having to walk this path for the next 50 years feels overwhelming to you. It's scary to think about. And, and the point is that all of this feels so uncertain. All of this feels so out of your control. And so like Ahaz in this passage, it is so hard to believe that God is actually at work in the middle of that situation. And that you can actually trust him with your very life. And so the temptation in that place that all of us feel is to try to find something that does seem certain. It, it, it's, a, uh, it's an attempt to try to find our own security blanket, right? Something that, that would give just some sense of, of safety, of security, of protection to us. And so what we find in this passage is that that's exactly what Ahaz does. So secondly, the, the grasp for false security. So here's what it looks like for Ahaz. It's a little bit hard to see in this passage, uh, but we know here from uh, verses 8 and 9, and then especially from 2 Kings 16. So if you want to jot that down, you could look at that later. What Ahaz really wants to do, and ultimately what he does end up doing, was to turn to Assyria to protect him from Syria and Israel. So he goes to the major military superpower of Syria to protect him. 2 Kings 16, verse 7. So Ahaz sent messengers to the king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and rescue me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who are attacking me. So here's what he's doing. Rather than trusting in Yahweh, rather than trusting in the Lord, he is fleeing to this other military power. 
He's going to this pagan foreign power for protection. And I want you to remember that the only thing that God asked him to do, that God called him to do, was nothing. All that he had to do was to be quiet, be careful, and trust Yahweh. To, to, to fight the temptation to panic and grasp for control in all these other places. But here's the thing. Even here, even in the midst of, uh, of Ahaz's unbelief, the Lord shows real patience with him. So what he does is he sends Isaiah again in verse 10. He offers a sign in verse 11. So here's what he says. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven, which is to say, ask the Lord for whatever you want. There's nothing he won't do to protect you and to protect the house of Judah. And so you hear that and you think about the, the Lord's mercy and kindness to him. You think, surely Ahaz is going to take him up on this. And of course, we'd be wrong in thinking that. Ahaz says this in verse 12. He says, I will not put the Lord to the test, which on the one hand sounds really pious, right? Uh, but, but that's actually not what's happening. He's refusing God's offer of a sign, not out of some sense of piety, like, oh, I'm not going to put the Lord God to the test. He's refusing the sign because he doesn't think he needs the Lord's help. He doesn't want the Lord's help. He'd rather go to Assyria for help than to take the Lord up on this sign. And here's the problem. He'd rather pursue that alliance with Assyria than trust in the Lord. And I think that, that's a really vivid picture of how strong that temptation is, no matter how foolish it seems, but how strong that temptation is to grasp for some sense of security, for something that you can see, for something that gives you some semblance of control. So what does that look like for us? Where is it that we're, we're tempted to turn here? Well, I know that, like obviously we're not looking for a, a military alliance uh, with our issues. Here's the thing though. I do think that this does explain some of why it is so easy to get sucked into grasping after political power. Because what it feels like is that it gives us some sense of security and some sense of control over the world around us. And so we think things like, if that guy is in office, my life is gonna be okay. This world is gonna be okay. But if he's not, if my guy doesn't get in, then everything about my life feels uncertain. There's no sense of safety there for me. That's, there's only one way that we do this. Other ways we do this is that you feel that fear about your kids and so you do everything you can to control them. You lock down their phones, you try to shut down relationships with friends. And the, the, the reality is this, I know this from experience, is that a lot of that has less to do with what's good for your kids and more to do with what makes you feel better about the fear that you're trying to manage. It could be that, that, that maybe you're fearful about your financial situation and so you get consumed with trying to find the better job, find the better deal, and make money and do what you can to feel better about your financial situation. And before you know it, that pursuit of money begins to control you and consume you. Here's the real question though. Why are those things so appealing to us? Why is it that we, that we want to grasp for something that feels certain like that? I think there are a couple of reasons. One is that those things are visible. Those things uh, are, are, are something that, that we can see. And so I think part of what is happening with Ahaz here is that it is a whole lot easier to see this mega superpower of Assyria and put your trust in them. 
way easier in a lot of ways than it is to trust this invisible God. That same thing is true for us. Here's the real reason, though. The real reason those things are, are, are so appealing to us is that they give us some feeling of control. It allows us to do something rather than just to wait and to trust. Ahaz didn't want to wait on the Lord, and neither do we. And again, this is one of the reasons I think that the season of Advent is such a gift to us, because if you think about it, most of the Christian life is waiting. One author says it this way, we live always during Advent. We are always waiting for the Messiah to come. And because that, that, that is so hard to do, we end up grasping for other things that, that give us some sense of security, some sense of safety. And we do this even when we know they won't really work. So um, in that, uh, that, that same comic strip where Linus's uh, security blanket is introduced, uh, in the last frame, Charlie Brown uh, takes Linus's blanket from him, he puts it on and his face turns red. You know, his, face, his cheeks get red and he gets that little furrowed brow thing going. And he says this, it doesn't work. I feel like an idiot. <laughs> and that's a pretty good picture of what it feels like when these things that we grasp at for security fail us and we feel like idiots. And, and the worst part about this is that what they end up doing is that they cut us off from the only one who can actually do something about our fears. And so uh, that, that same thing is true for Ahaz. So thirdly and finally, the Lord's gift of true security. The Lord's gift of true security. So what happens here is that uh, Ahaz has re refused this sign. He's been given this invitation, ask for a sign. He won't do it. The Lord gives him one anyway. Verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and, sh and shall call his name Emmanuel. Here's the Lord's sign. There's going to be this son who will be born to a, to a virgin, a, a woman of marriageable age. And this virgin is gonna name this child Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, uh, there are actually a whole lot of pretty difficult interpretive questions about just this verse alone. Um, but here's, the, the, there's one main thing that I want us to see here. And it's that the, the Lord's solution, not just to Ahaz, but to us and our fears is this. He's actually going to draw near to his people through this son. And that that is what ultimately what you and I need. Here's the thing, though. That, on the one hand, comes as this source of immense comfort to us, that the Lord will draw near. But there's another part of this passage uh, that, 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 that says that this also comes with a real sense of warning. And so I want to look at both of those things. So first, the, the, the comfort of his presence. So to Ahaz and to the house of Judah, God says there's going to be this child born to a woman of marriageable age. By the time this boy is old enough to make these sort of moral judgments, to, to decide between uh, good and evil, or even before, this is kingly language, before he is uh, to become king, these two countries, Syria and Israel, are going to fall. And what's amazing, of course, is that that's exactly what happened. That within three years, Syria had, had fallen to Assyria, and then Israel fell 10 years later. And so the point is this. God is making this promise to save his people. That salvation is coming. So that, that is the good news of great comfort for those who would put their trust in Yahweh. 
And so this is what God is saying to Ahaz. You got to remember this. This is the, the reason that you have that I am giving you to put your faith and your trust in me. But here, here's the thing though. This is only a shadow of the way that God would eventually fulfill this promise. Only a shadow of the way in which he would draw near to you and to me. So Matthew chapter one. But as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, God has come near in a way that, that no one could have ever imagined. He has come near to you in his son. And, and, and he's the only one who can ultimately and actually give you the rest from that fear and uncertainty of your life that feels like it is controlling you right now. And the way that he does that is by promising you that he is with you. That he is with you in the worst, most frightening circumstances of your life that he is with you in the places where you feel like you have no control whatsoever. He says to you, I am with you. So kids, I, I want you to think about the last time you had a bad dream. And my guess is that, that what happened when you had that bad dream is that, that the first thing you did when you woke up was to run into your parents' room and to crawl in bed with them. Now, why did you do that? You did that because you know that if you can just get close to your parents, things are gonna be okay. That it's, it's their presence and their nearness to you that makes you know that everything is okay. See, that is exactly what God has done for you. He has drawn near to you and he has told you it is gonna be okay. What does that mean for us? Well, it means, among other things, that you are not alone. Like one of the, the, the absolute worst things about our fear is how isolating it is. You feel like you are all alone. And, 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 and the hope of Advent, the promise of Advent, is that your God has come near and that your God will never leave you nor forsake you, that he is with you right now. And that there is a sense in which by the Holy Spirit, he could not get closer to you he has taken up residence inside of you. And so here's the thing. You might not be able at all to see the way forward right now. Like you, you might not even be able to think uh, or, or just imagine a path through these circumstances of your life. Here's what you do know and can know for certain. It is that your God is with you. And that there's a day coming when your God will come again and that when he does, he will cast away all of the darkness of the uncertainty and fears of your life, that they will be chased away by the light of Christ once and for all. That is good news of great comfort for all who would trust in him. But here's the deal about this passage. The reality is that 
Ahaz never trusted the Lord. He chose not to believe God. That's what verse 17 is all about. The rest of this chapter of, of chapter 7 of Isaiah is about the judgment that will come on the house of Judah because of Ahaz's unbelief. And here's the deal. That comes to us as well. It's this picture of how any sort of security outside of the security that is found in the Lord alone is ultimately going to fail. And so, so here's the thing. The Lord coming to us in Jesus is the, literally the most comforting news if we will but put our faith in him. But at the very same time, it is terrifying news if we refuse to put our faith in him and reject him instead. Because when Jesus returns, part of this Advent truth is that he will come in judgment. And so here's the question that we've got to ask ourselves. It's part of why Advent is this season of preparation. It's why Advent is a bit of a somber season because it forces us to ask this question. Where is my trust? What am I actually trusting in? Is it in Jesus or is it somewhere else? The invitation, though, of this passage is to turn to the Lord in faith. To turn to him in faith, to give yourself to him, and to do so with the confidence that he can be trusted. Because it's that same God who has given his life for you in the person of Emmanuel. So uh, let me return to, uh, to Linus and to his blanket here. I did a little Googling, also known as research, um, about uh, Linus quotes, okay? So I came across this blog post, uh, this is from a number of years ago, and they pointed out something uh, that was actually pretty interesting about Linus's blanket. So uh, remember Linus's great speech in what Christmas, in his What Christmas is All About speech, right? So Charlie Brown says this, he says, everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? So Linus says, sure, Charlie Brown, I could tell you what Christmas is all about. And so he walks to the middle of the stage and he begins to recite Luke chapter two. But what, when he gets to the part where the angel speaks to the shepherds and he says, fear not, this is worth watching again, he drops the blanket. And, and that was completely intentional. And so one author says this, he says, the birth of Jesus allows us to simply drop the false security we've been grasping so tightly and learn to trust and cling to him instead. See, that is the message of Advent. That we can actually turn from all of these ways of false security and come to the one, the promised one of Advent, who will give us real security. This is the one who has come. And praise God, he is the one who will come again. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are a God of such immense patience with us, that you are a God who is so willing to give us this sign. And Lord, you have shown yourself over and over to be a God who is abundantly trustworthy, and so we see that you've demonstrated that most clearly in the sending of your son, Emmanuel. And so, Father, we pray that we would put our faith in him, that we would turn to him and find rest, find safety, find security, find the one who could cast out our fears to set us free from them. And we pray this all in his name and for his glory. Amen.